Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wake up in the morning feeling like Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman Hello, tryhards. Happy hump day. Indeed. We're uh, recording this a little bit late because it's been a very busy few weeks, isn't it? Just- it has. And also, you're not going to get a pod next week because we'll both be in Dubai at the Sevens. So you need to make this one last. So we thought we'd give it to you a little <laughs> bit later. Um, that and also I've been really tired from all the travelling. <laughs> Um, are you going to take your advent calendar to Dubai? I currently don't have one. Have, okay. Don't remember the last time I had one. Actually, okay. do you have? Um, do you have? Do you have a certain type of one? Or are you one of these people? Does your mum make you a? I'll ask you a question in a minute. I'm just going to keep starting questions yeah. and not finish yeah. them. Um, do you have one with presents or chocolates? Chocolates, because you get presents on Christmas Day. But have you seen recently that over the last few years? People are doing advent calendars with presents. Um, my mum would not buy into that. My mum's a big believer in children, of which I am still a child, um, should get something they want, something they need, something to wear, something to read. So an additional 24 presents in the run-up to the big day would not be <laughs> happening with Karen Jones. Though I will say, the because I have like a wooden oh. advent calendar that she fills up. And the other year I thought I'd like hit the jackpot and I had giant foil covered chocolates but they were bath bombs I was gonna say I reckon your mum could easily do the 24 presents because they love a middle aisle in, in littles so you oh, could I just know. literally Aldi they don't go little they go to Aldi um Lidl's too far away from them it's in Splot which is about three miles away so that's way too far um have you seen they're doing a Cuthbert Caterpillar plush in the middle aisle in the Aldi middle aisle like a cuddly toy. Oh. I might get it because it would match. It's about an eighth of the size, but it would match Koya's caterpillar. <laughs> so I might get one. It's not as long as her. Well, Koya's isn't a caterpillar, is it? It's a snake. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a caterpillar, snake. but you tell her it's a snake, but it is yeah. 100% a caterpillar. Um, I'm pleased I've got my earphones in so she can't hear you, actually. You're just a bit, bit disappointed. She's def- ruining her favourite toy. Run to get the snake. <laughs> anyway um yeah no I, I won't be taking an advent calendar to Dubai um hopefully I get one this year we'll see um yeah the presents ones I've seen all sorts of things online I've seen like ale ones 
I've seen oh, yeah. chocolate ones. I've seen like makeup ones. There's all sorts of work. Like oh, nail polish. Nail polish. Nail polish. The Marks and Spencer's beauty one I've had in the past, which is fantastic, but it's sold out very quickly this year. Um, there's a Lego one, which I quite fancy. Because obviously I'm, you know, I play with a lot of Lego, but it's just one of those things where I saw it and I was like, oh, I quite like that. But it's again, it's like 50 quid. It's amazing, isn't it? The money that people end up spending, but it's kind of an excuse to spend lots of money and then not realise you've spent it because you've forgotten about it. I've done that with Christmas presents. So I've already bought a couple of Christmas presents. So I was in a little craft fair up with um, Cornstar Pete up in Donetsk. But, oh, yeah. um, um, but not from his shop, from somewhere else. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> no, I'm getting. What's that buzzing? <laughs> That's not my phone vibrating. Um <laughs> Crowd okay. Anyway, we, you know, I, I had a very stern phone call from my dad. My parents, as people mine may or may not know, aren't together. So we have two separate Christmases. This year we're gonna have the first one in Minehead and the second one up in Bristol, we think. And the first one in Minehead, we have been told very sternly on the phone, no Christmas presents. Okay, like no Christmas presents. We will fine. Um, and then I got a message on our other WhatsApp group um saying so no Christmas presents, question mark. And I said, no, that's at dad's. And then, then it was like, no, no, this is with mum as well. I'm like, okay. So Have I've you mentally prepared yourself as the youngest <laughs> child that when everyone says no Christmas presents, what they mean is Ava Waterman's going to get a lot of Christmas presents and Nolly Waterman's <laughs> not going to get any. Well, this was the point. I was like, Lucy, Ava's mum did say, um, obviously, I know you guys will want to buy presents for Squidge, Ava. Yeah. Um, and to my point was, well, yes, yeah, she like that's yeah. not even questionable. He is like, the yeah. star of this family now. Yeah. yeah. But um, moving the pod on from mm. Christmas, because I feel like we may do more Christmassy themed podcasts and presents. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I'm going to save it for the week after next, but. I'm elevating my sandwich to new levels, but I'm saving it for the week after next. So remind me. I, I literally can't wait. Um, <laughs> oh, I shared a preview on my Instagram story, but it's okay. Um, I, as people know that listened last week, I went down to Southampton or near Southampton, Limpton. I think that was the place. Um, and yeah, spent a few days down with my family, mainly with Ava because I just kept stealing her. um she's pretty solid little baby now so I don't feel like I'm gonna break her which is Uh great took her in a swimming pool she was absolutely epic um probably the only one with chubbier legs than me which was good so always (laughs) made me a bit better yeah which um yeah when you've got really small women in your family it's never nice to be the big one like I (laughs) now it's your turn (laughs) yeah and even mum um yeah, even mom rubbed it in a little bit actually but hey um yeah slightly slightly upset with sue around that but probably deserve it anyway um so yeah that was really good however it was cut short because <laughs> i thought i'd been really organized when i'd left my flat i was like right i'm gonna be i'm not gonna be coming back i'm gonna be doing all this blah, blah, blah. i've got to fly so right organized and didn't think about the fact that i'd taken a gray coat to ireland for the middle trip 
and in the pocket I'd left my passport because oh, I took please. my maroon jacket for the second weekend the third weekend so I realized that I realized as I pulled up that I hadn't got it so it was like oh I can't do I can't go back it's over nearly three hour drive yeah. um so okay that's a bit painful I then get back and realize that not just my passport but also my um driving license was in my pocket from the Hyatt from the hire car and also my airpods so on the back of um thinking I was the most organized the three things that probably I do need (laughs) on me um were there so it cut the trip short a little bit which was rather frustrating but I did have a I think it says a lot about the kind of person that you are though if you leave a passport because I would do like I'm the kind of I'll do like eight passport checks before I even walk out the front door and then I'll get in the car and I'll do like another three before I even pull away I am petrified of forgetting my passport um yeah I mean considering the amount of traveling I do you'd probably think that I would yeah. be a little bit more um I, yeah I'm pretty not, relaxed about not it worse so. than I on the sevens so when I used to do the seven series I I use these things called packing cubes so you basically like it makes your case more organized and you put like Ikea no, they were from Amazon and you put like all of your T-shirts in one cube, all of your shorts in another, all of your underwear in another. And then it all like slots into your suitcase like Tetris. Ideal. Except when you've slotted them all in like Tetris, sealed your case up, left your flat early in the morning when it's pitch black, got to the other side. I think we were in Canada, unzipped your case to realize that the packing cube with all of your underwear in <laughs> is on the floor in your living room. <laughs> that problematic Problematic. yeah there's not many I mean pants you could buy bras probably not many women on the series with the same size top half as you no no (laughs) um so yeah unfortunate should we talk about some rugby as opposed to breasts and gifts from craft fairs um yeah, we can. I mean, there's a, only, uh, there's a couple of games to cover from there the weekend. There was a couple of games. Um, I think we should kick off with um, Wales, Canada on Sunday, purely because not because of the game. Uh, commiserations to Wales, who lost, put up a good first half, um, finished their autumn series two from three, which I'm sure they would have snapped people's hands off four, six months ago. But the headline... Snap, oh, snapped the hands off? Yeah. People say that. That I'm sticking by it. Um, the headline was, of course, post-match. I was on the other side of the stadium. I was in the opposite stand. So, first of all, I could hear loads of cheers because Flo Williams got her cap on Sunday, which... Congratulations, really Flo. Flo. Yeah, massive congrats to Flo. She looked really good when she came on as well. Uh, and then the Arms Park went absolutely wild. And if you've been on social media subsequently, you will see that Hannah Jones's boyfriend, Dino... Dino Dallavalli, um, who I think he plays for plays for Champ Club. I'm not sure who. Can't remember who. Um, but yeah, he walked onto the pitch and proposed to her after the game. How romantic! Right. What I want to know is behind the scenes goss. Did the person interviewing her on TV know that he was going to do it? So the person, because it wasn't on TV, it was the WRU interview, which was conducted by Liz Jones. And I reckon Liz would have been privy. 
So if you watch the video in the background, there's a man leading him up behind Hannah and that's Alex Luff from the WRU. So I think that Liz Jones and Alex Luff were probably co-conspirators to this. Oh, yeah. What a love, what a lovely moment. Although I would have reacted exactly the same as Hannah when she was like turned around and basically mid interview was like, what you doing here? What are you doing <laughs> on the pitch? <laughs> she was fuming, wasn't she? But yeah, huge congratulations to them. Um, I loved that Liz said to her, are you going to end up with 30 plus bridesmaids? And she said, yeah, it looks like it. And then in the press conference afterwards, um, Shuey just said that she cannot wait for the hen do. So uh, yeah, love that. <laughs> love that a lot. Um, also Sunday was Red Roses against USA which was um, a word that you hear a lot in rugby, but I always enjoy England marmalised the Americans on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, look, I haven't had a chance to have a watch of it back, but I watched the highlights, which, I mean, there were quite a few tries in terms of the <laughs> run-throughs. Um, it's good to see Abby Dow on amazing form, some of the detail just in terms of, you know, she's an incredible athlete, looks fit, looks strong, was smashing people over. But just um, something that I, I, I really appreciate in terms of her, how she plays is her ball transfer and the speed that she's moving the ball from hand to hand to fend. And, you know, I know that sounds a bit geeky and nausey rugby wise, but those are the things that make you good to great. And I think it's been great to see her playing so well. She has been the on-form player this season you know um so far so yeah it was awesome to see her um obviously Lydia Thompson got her 50th cap and she is a Worcester baby um she's from Burke, like she's from the Midlands but it's where she's played all of her rugby it's where I had the privilege of playing alongside her at, at club and just one of the nicest human beings going and for her to get her 50th there and start which yeah potentially she could maybe would have been rotated out but you know just to be on the bench because of the experience that she's got and stuff um that was really cool and Alex Matthews presented there with a shirt afterwards and was really, really sweet so yeah so I, I like I think I, I also think it was the first time I think Lydia acknowledged it um and some other players it's the first time that it's been at Worcester for over a decade I actually played in that game um we played France it was one of the worst games of rugby I've ever played in <laughs> and it was the only one it was the I was, I was gonna say it's one of the only ones on Sky Sports yeah I worked um, that game. I was I was really really hung over <laughs> I can remember um it was really embarrassing because we'd been playing some really good rugby and then it all just went to pot at both teams were just rubbish I got the ball and just threw it into touch at one point I was like oh, oh. dear didn't we I mean obviously it was like a it was a pass to somebody, but it wasn't. It, the, somebody wasn't there. Somebody wasn't there. We also um, ran a rangy option. So for those that know that play, it's 10, 12 up and drift across, 13 cuts back and 15. You run like a reasonably straight line. And the idea is that you split the centre. You either split the 10, 12 or you split the centres, but you isolate because. Yeah. yeah. And Johnny Sexton's special, that one. Um, well, it's pretty. Um, he does more of a. He does like more rap stuff. But this one, I came straight through the middle and normally I'm quite good at reading the gap, but I didn't read the gap. And the girl that was playing 12 um, for France, she absolutely marmalised me. <laughs> <laughs> There's not many times I've run plays where I, like 
but it, it's the type of move that if you get it wrong, you get it wrong. And I remember being absolutely snapped. And I think it was the only one of the few times. Um, so yeah, good times. But anyway, you know, um, what? one England's thing that stuck out for me were Simon Middleton's comments post match, where he said it's now time for the rest of the world to catch up with England. Um, I find that quite interesting from the head coach of the most resourced team in women's rugby, not to take away from what the England girls have done, but there's been a lot of talk as well around the legacy that these women are creating. And I know you would, it's a weird one to me, your generation created a legacy in winning a world cup and being the first ones to get contracts across the line. And these are the ones who benefit from the legacy. So how have you read that and what have your thoughts been on it um yeah like I, I've read a couple of comments and interviews and stuff and and I think you know the way that the girls are playing them they're moving the game forward you know the detail around set piece and some of the athleticism is is unbelievable you but you'd expect that you know they've a couple of years now into professional contracts so physically they're going to be reaping the rewards I, I think it wasn't even my generation, you know, the legacy of women's rugby started from the women that started the women's game in England. And that is Carol Isherwood, Jill Burns, uh, Nikki Ponswood was part of that, uh, Giselle Maybe, you know, all of the players that just said, you know what, we're going to make a women's team and it's going to be a GB team. And then, you know what, we're going to make an England team. We're going to have a World Cup. And they, and, and I think, I suppose I was always really fortunate that um, I had, access to those people because there were certain players that were still involved or playing what when yeah. I started and got the first cap back in 1833 and I think right, yeah. um <laughs> and, and I I suppose I know the history of all the women's game what people are well, maybe when they're making those comments they don't necessarily know the starting point yeah. and what was really good uh, as a twick as a twickenham on Saturday and um sat next to Dave Ward and Abby Ward and I was chatting to Abby about the fact that because next to her was Karen Andrew or as we know her when she played fly half for England and next to her was um, Helen Clayton who we called Robbie and anyway I said oh, do you know Rob and do you know them and she didn't know Wench but she knew Rob she said oh well, Robbie came in as part of a an older Red Roses group last week so I know I met her then and apparently and, and so she said it's Abby said as the current squad they need to know the history of the game they don't know it because they've come in and all they know is these professional contracts yeah. all they know and how much they totally embraced being with the earlier generation players and how much they loved hearing from it so I think if the players don't know how on earth can the public know yeah. you know so I think that needs to happen more um in terms of the legacy of the Red Roses I think it probably it started with the attitude of the players in the 90s but probably the coach that turned it around in terms of how they trained and how they approached the game and the professionalism and attitude was Jeff Richards yeah who was around in the early 2000s he gave me my first cap but he, he was the scariest Australian man I've ever met <laughs> he's actually not he's really lovely um but his attitude was if you're you know if you're not early you're late and the expectations and then and so those women and what I was introduced to, relevant of whether they were professional and got paid, they were professional attitude. And that to me is where the legacy of the women's of the Red Roses started, because it was if you are not the best athlete, if you are not the best player you can possibly be, you don't deserve to be in this room and this squad. 
And if you're not doing that, there'll be someone that wants it and will be doing it. I think where we've benefited and where comments like Mids has made, we also have the, the, it's not just about the union's money. It's not just about the programs that the girls have on offer. It's not just about the contracts. It's about the depth of numbers. Yeah. And so we have such greater depth of volume of players that making select selection is hard for him because there is so many, so many talented players there because the yeah. pool is so deep. Yeah. I think that, but that has come from the fact that, you know, we had wonderful role models to aspire to be. If that makes, do you know what I mean? And so yeah. everyone. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Before we move on to the men's games over the weekend, there's something I kind of want to pick up on there and actually links to some news today around the world game and the eligibility criteria and the fact that players will be able to um, more easily um, swap back to a union if they have got a link to it. And it just made me think, you know, you said about the the depth in the women's game, especially in the UK, this could be more impactful than um, the men's game because there are a number of girls who would have been capped at 20s level for England who then wouldn't have gone on for a senior cap or even, you know, have had a handful of caps for England. And then, I mean, the one that sprung to mind for me was Karis Williams, who, if she's not selected by England by next summer, she'd be qualified. She'd be able to requalify and play for Wales by the, the World Cup. So there's going to be a number of, of girls who possibly will be able to go on to have more international honours. Yeah, I think it's amazing for the women's game. I think too many players, I've always kind of said that if you shouldn't be capped at 20s, 100% to a, to a nation, but because the women's game hasn't had a strong and consistent A's team or national academy, that there are loads of players that are linked, like are hooked into England. And then, you know, they, they haven't got close to a senior cap. So I think it's absolutely brilliant. And it means that you've got really good players that aren't just sitting and playing in premiership they're actually got the ability to have the aspirations to go on to international colors and you know I actually thought about it today 
I qualify for Wales. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that we want you, but it's, <laughs> interesting, it's an interesting thought. I actually also qualify for Canada, but very few oh. people know that. Um, my nan was born in Canada. Well, having so... watched them on Sunday, I'm not sure they need you either, my friend. <laughs> I'm not sure you'd keep up. I do actually, I don't think I've said to you before, I think I've joked about this with um, Gislaine Landry. But, um, I, I don't know if this was on the pod or off the pod that we've talked about the fact that I asked her, could I secretly train with Canada Sevens and then just appear in their uh, in their squad. I mean, this was when I was a little bit fitter. I don't think any team would want me anywhere close unless it was in the coaching setup nowadays. But hey, you never know. Never say never. Never say never. Exactly. Okay. Actually, um, can I just say one thing that I actually thought? Right. So loads of people are talking about how players that have played for stronger unions will go back to the ones that don't have the depth. Yeah. However. I wonder if there will be any players that have gone to a country and played for them and then but actually qualify for um, like someone else yeah. and, and go up, go back, but in inverted commas, go up. So the um, number eight for Italy, um, men's, Bristolian, but with an Italian name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's his name? Don't He's just front of mind. Yeah, because the pod or, or Stephen Varney, the scrum half, is Welsh. Yeah, so like, so it's fascinating to see, you know, players that have made a decision early on in their career. I don't think I'm going to play for, you know, England, Scotland. I like gone and played for a different nation, yeah. and then actually now would can potentially they've shown their colours, they've shown how good they are and now potentially get the opportunity. That, I, I think that would be interesting. And whether, could you imagine it in the women's game happening with England or the Black Ferns? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, you were in Dublin on the weekend for the um, Ireland-Argentina game. We'll work backwards from Sunday. Uh, what was the atmosphere like in Dublin after the week before? Um. It's really hard. I think it's never going to really compete with a, a win against the All Blacks. Yeah. You know what I mean? That crescendoed into like the, one of the best games. Well, we thought was going to be one of the best games of the awesome. Um, one of the best performances, probably. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was always going to be hard. But the you know, fundamentally, Argentina were very poor, and so it was really hard. Um, in the first half, it was really stop starty, and the the game was really staccato so it meant that the support was and there wasn't any flow second half there was more tries so the team started to get the, the um crowd really started to get behind certain players especially when they came on the pitch you know um which was interesting it's interesting to see because you could hear like the likability of players yeah like, when certain players scored they like went wild for it so when like joey carberry made a line break and the crowd like woo, like lifted yeah. So it was like they were desperate for him to do yeah. well. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a really rubbish moment. So Lavanini, who plays in the second row for um, Argentina, he was what, the one that got the red card in the World Cup against England, with taking someone's head off. Um, at a breakdown, just literally flew in from the side. Kean Healy was on his knees, like retreating from the breakdown. Yeah. Because he was getting up. He's an old chap, isn't he? So he's taking his time. Obviously, got really big quads. Old chap, he's the same age as me. 
Um, and yeah, just real cheap shot to the face and with a shoulder, got red carded. And it was just, just unnecessary. He's the most red carded player now in the game. Um, it was nice to have like an accolade though, isn't it? Oh, but what an idiot. And he just, it, it was interesting because had a had a good chat in comments in the commentary box with Miles Harrison and um, Donica, and we talked about like why why would you do something like that and and actually the nature of rugby is a very dangerous sport if you want it to be like it, you know it, it has the potential to be really dangerous but the the reason why it's so good is there's this uh, like there is the laws but there's also this unwritten ruling that you you don't tip it over like there is yeah. a you know that like the whole intent thing you know it's interesting um, Donica there in, in the commentary box normally you you know you have Jamie he's there with you a lot and and Jamie will talk about how those moments that are that go beyond you know Jamie's back is as bad as it is because of what happened at the Aviva in an Island France game and a player just taking things too far and you know not a similar incident in terms of the actual motion of what happened, but somebody flying in late and, and essentially breaking Jamie's back, uh, you know, unnecessarily. Know Not that. anything like that is necessary, but unnecessarily. Also, the number eight for Italy is called Paledri. That's the one. I've been trying to remember. Um, I've been going through the alphabet. Not that I haven't been listening to you, but I've also been going through the alphabet. I wondered why you did sound a little bit, like, uninterested in um, the questions. But, um, uh, in fact, nice fact about Pledri, my dad played against his dad because he's a Bristol bloke and my dad was Bath. And so, yeah, played against oh, his God, dad. Of there you go. Have done. That is interesting. Um, okay, Saturday night, I talked it up. I said it was going to be the game of the autumn and... Oh, how good. How good was France versus the All Blacks? You know, I'm going to let you into a secret. I've actually waited and I'm going to watch the full game tomorrow like a complete geek because I know the score, obviously. I know the result, obviously. And I've seen like a couple of clips that Ensmac just like escape room style yeah. <laughs> get out but you know what? you'll still enjoy it because it was like it was a genuinely entertaining rugby match well I can say I was texting Miles um on Saturday after being at Twickenham and I was like oh can we catch up about the teams obviously normally we'd speak the day before but because yeah. I was working catching up at breakfast and he's I said you know hope you got over there safely and he was like yes and I'm watching the most incredible game and I was like oh like I'm really sad I hate kind of half watching whilst you're traveling like it really annoys me so I was like oh like I need to catch up on it and he was like and Miles said bearing in mind that man I reckon has watched the most amount I I reckon he's up there with one of the people that's watched the most amount of rugby games yeah ever in the world easily um he said it was the best game he's ever watched yeah, it was amazing. I watched it on the big screen at the back of the Arms Park with my friend Michael Press, who, if you have... Oh, Pressy. Bought... Yeah, you've met Press. Presser? Goal like tech. Press, Press. You met Press in Hong Kong. If you have gone oh, out yeah. and bought Jamie Roberts' book, Press is the person in the um, paddle tennis story with the Prince of Monaco so there you go now you know um I did Wales Australia on Saturday um how was it it was it was like saying out of Vegas there were so many cards um it was <laughs> oh, um I've seen a couple of things today saying that um Wales won't be able to depend on the TMO to keep winning games but then 
if other teams discipline isn't good and Wales is is then Wales is is that's hard to say then it is what it is um can I just say though on that go on cards um and behavior and pressure oh cards and ill discipline come from pressure and I genuinely think Wales is one of those teams that just don't bugger off like they're just like just in defense in like then they're kind of just annoyingly relentless so you're like go away stop chasing back like so you know when you make a break in sevens and someone always chases back you're like really like I really have to sprint this um and I feel like the way they are they're tough men they get stuck in they're real quite tight unit you know and actually the way that they manage to nitpick into teams in a way forces you and actually as a team that plays against the Welsh every that's one of the things that's probably the most common thing said in a in a team meeting before you have to match them emotionally you have to get up for it and so you imagine you're being told they're more passionate than you than 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 you are about your country that's basically what you're being told yeah so you could so actually when you think about it what does that do to your emotional level your your like where you're at yeah. your control well it, it causes press and then if you get under pressure and you're like getting getting frustrated and you've been told well they're the most passionate people ever about rugby so you've got to be really passionate well what happens you give away penalties you give away consistent penalties you go in and fly in and take someone out you yeah. go into a breakdown wrong and you get carded so I don't know like in a I can see why it is against Wales yeah and it's not luck all the time it's and not it, I'm not saying it's time. lucky to get a card but do you know what I mean yeah always very unlucky quite frankly um and then on Saturday you were also at Twickenham for England South Africa which again was very exciting the end of that um Freddie Stewart looks like absolute dynamite I really like him um one thing I didn't game... know about Freddie Stewart I watched well I think just about Freddie Stewart he plays the, the electric guitar and there's a really bit good bit of content with him and Joe Marchant strumming away. Um, lovely, lovely tune actually. Um, really? I hate his moustache. He's one of those people it's that. November. I get it. I get it. But just he makes it. He doesn't. He doesn't suit it, and it's really quite awkward. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll I'll go and look for that video of him strumming. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. Um, Sia Khaleesi yellow carded at the end of that one um it was the last 10 minutes of that game were genuine thriller loved that uh what was the vibe like at Twickenham looked fun so yeah look, I so I was in um hosting some hospitality um all of the quite important people so the RFU council pre-match and then got a very posh seat and was in the royal box Ooh. um yeah um and it was cool because I was with loads of um ex red roses um uh, well they're not ex they are red roses um and streety was there smithy was there jeff richards like it was kind of like and also other captains and stuff anyway, yeah so it's really cool i've um, got to see a few of them and then i was doing some hospitality after the match but it was on the other side of the stadium so i decided with like 25 minutes to go that was my chance to leave the stadium and get to hospitality before the mad rush and then be able to watch it and I happened to so I wasn't in my seat in that last 10 minutes but I was in the stadium which is a bit weird yeah um 
so yeah so as much as I did experience it I kind of didn't experience it okay. live but it, it didn't ruin it because it was just such a wonderful end and I predicted at 10 minutes to go Marcus Smith will step up and win the winning pit will score the winning penalty I was like he'll like it's gonna happen I yeah. feel like this Written, is gonna happen Written in the stars um based on the performances that you have seen this autumn who wins the six nations I think in terms of their all-round game, it would be France. Um, I think possibly the next closest in terms of all-round game would be Ireland. I think it would be Ireland-France is the biggest game. Is it Ireland-France or France-Ireland? I think it's France-Ireland. Um, and I only know with England games because it's the Blues away. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, Wales have got the Blues at home. Um, so, yeah, I think for the men's, I think that's... that's but, you know, Ireland were just different level in terms of yeah. their set piece. Um, their forwards are just like mad good at the moment. Furlong, the only like what I love about Ty Furlong, and then you've got is like his handling, his running, how hard he tries. You've literally got a carbon copy of him in Sarah Byrne. They yeah. are literally the same player. Yeah, I, I will take that. <laughs> and I will take that. Okay, well, I'm going to wrap you up there because to conclude this pod and conclude the autumn, we should reflect on the mighty match pint. Uh, Danielle Waterman, last week I spoke with great pride about how well you'd done. I had big hopes for you going into the last round. And then you forgot to put your predictions in for three of the games. You know what? I actually sat with Dave Ward and uh, he... I don't even know why I, he said something about like, oh, something about previous results or who have you got for tonight as well. And then I was like, oh my God, I, I <laughs> literally, how many games, how many games have there been? There's been three games already. Ah! Um, and then quickly put in them. Um, yeah, I mean, a little bit frustrating because I was going to call England. I would have called. Could have, should have, would have. Could have, should have, would have, my yeah. friend. In the Guinness Legends League, you finished seventh above Andy Goode and Johnny Beatty. Um, I finished a respectable third alongside Tom Shanklin. Happy birthday, Tom Shanklin. Um, and the Tryhards League, I finished overall 12th and you finished 30th. Mm. But a huge congratulations to Hannah Holborn, who with 279 points is the overall winner of Match Pint autumn nations series 2021 uh two perfect predictions she would have had enough points to win the legends league herself and the match point overall global she was i think well she's top five on that wasn't she was she was joint fourth joint joint fourth um yeah massive shout out to hannah and also um so i'm presuming she gets some stash doesn't she she gets some stuff sent to her yeah well I, one thing yeah. another person another thing i was gonna say yeah christian cox who won the global league got four perfect predictions unbelievable that's so actually mad that um mad. i reckon though that the fact that last time we had the winner from the tryhards league and then wow. we've got hannah in top five we're producing some unbelievable results we are i reckon it must be your it must be your um my coaching your top tips yeah, yeah it has to yeah. be it has to be 
Um, well, on that note, on that bombshell, as we said, there'll be no pod next week, but we will... Um, I'm going to make Nolly sign into the Tryhards Instagram if she isn't already, and maybe we'll post stories on there over um, next week when we are in the sand pit. Uh, we won't technically be together, but we will try and sniff each other out. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think what odour you give off for me to recognise you, but I'll find one. I rec- I'm sure deep down I will uh, I'll be able to smell your skin burning in the sun my ginger friend (laughs) (laughs) bye everyone bye everyone bye